Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. I'm Shane Bacon. Uh, getting this to you on Friday afternoon. Wanted to get something out about U.S. Amateur Week and all the good and the bad and otherwise that happened at Cherry Hills. First U.S. Amateur for me, first USGA championship for me. And so uh, Claire Rogers actually messaged me late last week and said, when you talk about the AM, can I interview you on the pod? And I was like, of course, Claire, anything you want to do, I'm in on that. So that's what you're going to get. One of my favorite people in golf and somebody that I love having on the podcast actually flipped the script and asked me questions about Amateur Week. So uh, that's kind of all I got. I mean, you'll hear most of the week here. I just wanted to say uh, thanks to everybody involved with the USGA, with Cherry Hills, with the amateur, Robbie and the whole team does an amazing job. Golf course was so tough, uh, both at Cherry and Colorado Golf. And um, everybody that I kind of met and interacted with throughout the week, uh, it was a lot of fun, and it's a week I won't uh, I won't soon forget. So uh, for the support out there and the people on social media and the messages and all that stuff, thank you very much. It means more to me than you probably know. And, uh, yes, I wish I would have played better, but it was an amazing experience. And sometimes you got to get the first one under your belt to kind of understand the feelings you had and maybe the negative things that went through your brain and the positives, because there were positives. You know, I mean, I made six birdies and 36 holes. That's nothing to kind of blink at. So, uh, yeah, next time up, and I am I, certain there will be a next time. I think it will go a little bit different. So, uh, here it is, uh, Claire and I chatting about U.S. Amateur Week. Hello, everyone. Claire Rogers here. I am joining Shane Bacon, who is fresh off his play at the U.S. You're going to want to say amateur, but I say amateur. So I'm going to stick okay, with amateur okay. today. It's, it's your show, you know. <laughs> it is my show. You, when you say it, you can say amateur, and I'll say amateur. Um, but I want to hear, I mean, I will never play in a USGA event. Most of the people listening will never play in a USGA event. I want to hear everything from, like, the food situation to the caddies to the course, to your play, just take me through everything. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the most, like, professional situation I've ever been in in terms of a golf tournament. I mean, you know, I played AJGA back in the day. You know, I mean, this was like, oh, two, oh, three, stuff like that, right? So it's been a long time since I've kind of been in that world. And I'd say the Met Golf Association does an incredible job of making their big events feel big. And I played in a thing, Claire, last year called the Feral at Stanwich. And it was like the coolest, like, amateur event I'd played in. I mean, they had, like, signage and they had cocktails and, like, the cups were logoed. You know, like, you were at the Masters. They had, like, the mm -hmm. plastic cups, kind of like you see at Augusta National. But to be at this event where they have, like, the guy come out and put your last name behind you and you're hitting on the range uh, is, a, is a bit jarring at first. Like, like he's like, what's your name? You know, they have... They have Pro V1s and Pro V1Xs on the range, depending on, you know, obviously what golf ball you play. So uh, I would say off the bat, it that is probably the part where you're reminding or pinching yourself that, you know, this is an enormous deal. You know, I mean, I, I've covered plenty of U.S. amateurs, amateurs, sorry, and <laughs> um, uh, in my day, and, and I've obviously got to see kind of the, the players go through that process. But I wrote a little bit of this on Twitter. I mean, the the fact that you can watch it but then play in it you know getting a chance to play in it will forever kind of change the way i look at championship golf going forward because when you watch it on tv 
even watching it, you go, ah, I don't know why he hit it there. Or that seemed weird. He couldn't kind of like get that out of the rough. And then to be in the arena and really get a feel for it was wild. Um, I, I'll give you two things. One, the food was amazing. I mean, just <laughs> like, I mean, breakfast, just everything you wanted. Um, the, the They had it at Colorado Golf in Cherry Hills for the qualifying. So like Colorado golf brought out their like signature dishes, you know, for breakfast and, um, and things like that. And then Cherry did the same thing, but food top notch, uh, locker room top notch. And they had a PT there. So you could get like work done before and after the round. And let me tell you something, <laughs> the 39 year old, I took full advantage because massages, as you know, Claire are not cheap. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sometimes they have that at the, uh, in the media center at the U S the U.S. Open. So maybe it's like a USGA thing, a USGA but they're kind of out in the open. So I've never really done it before. It's like, it's in a glass box. Yeah. So you don't really want to go. Okay. Did you have a caddy? I did. Does everyone have to have a caddy? You don't have, you don't have to have a caddy at these. There, there are, there, I've played in events that, that mandate you have to take a caddy. Uh, USGA events don't mandate it, but okay. considering how much golf I was going to play, I was absolutely going to take a caddy. I reached out one of my best buddies in the world who I've played a ton of golf with. I met working at a golf course years ago in Scottsdale. And then we both were trying to play professionally at the time. A buddy of mine named Ashton. I reached out to him right when I qualified, like first person I hit up and was like, is there any chance, you know, you can come to Colorado. And I, I mean, you know, listen, this guy has two young kids like me. Um, he's got, you know, he's got a wife, he's got a job, like he's 40 years old. I mean, it's not easy to pull him away to come do something. That's not like the primary focus in terms of like playing in a U.S. amateur. And, you know, he kind of, he's like, listen, we're going on vacation. And then I'm right back from that. And I was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to obviously throw a wrinkle in your life. So a friend of mine hit me up with a caddy from Cherry Hills. So a young guy that does a bit of media stuff, his name's Dan, great guy, uh, loves golf, worked for the Met. I think he worked for PGA of America for a bit as well. So obviously he's kind of in the know in terms of the golf stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was like first date, you know, when you show up, because you know, you don't know anything about him. He doesn't know anything about me. So you're kind of learning each other as you're going through the practice rounds. That's awesome. My brother caddied at the U.S. Amit at Oakmont a couple of years ago. Yep. And at the end of it, they were like, okay, uh, give the bid back. And he didn't give it back. And he <laughs> wore this thing like to the bars for two weeks. They made it to the Elite Eight or whatever. So it, okay. it was kind of like they were able to do it. And I'm pretty sure like they, you know, call, they were looking for this bid for a little bit because they, you know, count all of them and it is now framed <laughs> in his room at our house but okay so caddy that's that i want to hear about the course and can you tell me, i've never played at elevation before oh what's man. that kind of like so so it was wild so you know i do the i do the other podcast the ping proving grounds podcast with mm -hmm. marty jertson and when i qualified for the amateur and, and realized it was going to be in colorado i sent marty a note and i said hey can we do an episode on altitude you know, because it would be helpful for me if we did something on altitude. And Marty is this like Mensa level genius guy that understands golf at a level. I will never understand it. And we did a podcast like the week before about altitude and how trajectory changes in Colorado. And then Marty made me this altitude cheat sheet, Claire. I'll, when this episode drops, I will post it on Instagram and I'll send you uh -huh. a picture of it. But he okay. literally made me this ball namic cheat sheet altitude thing that Cindy laminated for me and I put in my yardage book and it was like temperature it had temperature on it it had distance on it so basically I could look at the sheet and say okay it's 85 degrees today 
I'm hitting yep. 175 yard shot. It's 20 yards less basically would be what the, the cheat sheet would tell me. And so I will say this though, and, and you'll, as you're watching this weekend, this is going to drop on Friday when you're watching over the weekend, if you're watching to the amateur, you're going to hear players say they'll say to their caddy, like an at home number. It, one of the hardest things mm -hmm. about playing an altitude Claire is convincing your brain that you have a 160 yard shot and you can hit a club that at home goes 135. It's like, it's hard to put your brain in that place. I'll give you an example. Uh, I played cherry the second day. I struggled kind of as we got through the turn on the back nine, made the made, flipped over to the front. I made a great birdie on three, which is the shot of the week. I'll tell you about it eventually on the pod, but I made birdie on three. And then on, on five, the par five, I hit a bad tee shot, but got it back in play and made about a 20 footer for birdie there. And my goal, the second round was like, all right, let's break, let's shoot in the seventies. You know, let's let's put a, a decent, respectable score up there. I made birdie there, and I think that got me to maybe five or six over on the day, and Cherry's a par 71. So, clearly, I, I was kind of comfortably in the 70s. The next hole's the short par three there, and it was 165 to a tucked left hole location, okay? And I'm a left-handed golfer, so that's kind of a cut iron for me. So, I mean, at home, I'm hitting – a big nine iron, maybe a little chippy eight iron from, from 165, right? And Dan's looking at me and he goes, it's a wedge. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, it's just a big wedge, you know? Like, You're like, I saw the PT, but I'm not that loose. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, golly, I mean, does my feel that flexible here? And uh, and he's like, I think it's a wedge. And I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to like chip a nine. Like I'm going to chip cut a nine. And I hit it dead straight and it flew the green and it was dead. And I make double, right? Like you can't go long there. And we're walking up. I'm like, Dan, you were right. It was obviously a wedge. But it's that it's tricking your brain into looking, you know, because like golfers know, like, you know, yeah. as you're stepping up to a shot, what it looks like, what it feels like, even before you even get the number. And to stand there and convince yourself it is a wedge, which it was a wedge, is such a hard thing to do in altitude. And it's that wrinkle at this U.S. amateur that's so different than others is when you're playing at altitude in Colorado, even Colorado golf, which is like 1200 feet higher than Cherry Hills. It's telling yourself that, yeah, it's a seven iron from 225 or I hit six from 250 on one hole. You know, it's like, I mean, it's a monster, monster shot. One of the, one of the most I'd say bummed I was the whole week was at Colorado golf. The first round I birdied 15. I made a great birdie on 15, 16 a par five. It's a split fairway. Nobody goes right. Like it's psycho to go right. It's like a kind of a a risk reward fairway on the right. Like typical core Crenshaw. And I hit this awesome drive down the right side, Claire. Okay. And if you hit it down the right side and take it on, the green opens up. It's an easy angle. It's a short iron in. You can hit this second shot to like it in a circle of 30 feet, and the ball's gonna get close no matter where you hit it. It was 388 through the fairway, and my ball went through the fairway. So you know, these are numbers that obviously when you're playing regular traditional golf, that does never comes to mind that right. you might hit a drive 389 through a fairway. <laughs> I was playing with, with a kid from Duke in the second round. We played with the same guys both days. And one of the last par fives we played at Cherry Hills the second day, it was 391 through the fairway. And he was a foot short of going through the oh fairway. My so God. like, again, like if you're looking at a yardage book, typically, I mean, you know, you see 340 or 350 and you go, okay, I'm good. Right. And all of a sudden these numbers change. It, it is a, uh, it is jarring altitude uh, changes, throws a little bit more of a curveball in it than all the other factors that are going on in your brain. 
now I'm wondering these people who grow up playing at altitude when they come and play like normal golf. It'd be so hard. Like that might be a harder way to go than going and playing at elevation, right? Because you're just so humbled and you know that that's not actually how it really is. It's like kind of like playing on the moon, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out. Who hit the shot at the moon? Neil Armstrong? Shout yeah, out to, yeah. Was it Neil or Buzz? Who hit it? I don't know. Um, I'm not my, my immediate thought went to Lance and I was like, it is absolutely not Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Does it all. It, 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 maybe he could have got to the moon with the way he was moving <laughs> and what he was taking. But yeah, um, it was, I, I think you're probably right. I bet if you were a, a kid growing up in like, you know, Colorado or like the hills of New Mexico, going and playing traditional golf probably takes you a bit to feel comfortable there as well, because in your mind, seven irons go to 10, but yeah. Uh, to only have, you know, to, to only have two days of practice rounds. I was talking to a buddy of mine last night about this. You know, you play two rounds of practice rounds. You're trying to get a feel for the golf course, but you're also trying to get a feel for altitude. And so yeah. it's in the greens and the speed and all that stuff. So there's a lot of kind of things going on in your brain. Okay. Um, let's see where I want to go with this. I have like two big ones left, but okay. So I I'm one of those people who can sit and listen to every shot of a round. And I would yeah. imagine most people who listen to this podcast are, but we won't do that. So I wanted, like, if you had to give me your highlight reel, the highs, the lows, what shots would you tell me about? Yeah. So um, I, I would, you know, I play a, a decent amount of tournament golf, like not a ton of tournament golf. You know, I might play these days, maybe four or five events a year. Right. And mm -hmm. I, have gotten more comfortable over the last couple of years in tournament golf. I will say that the big mistakes I made throughout the week were all mistakes I made before I hit the shot. So they were all kind of commitment based mistakes. So mm -hmm. I started out, I was super nervous on the first tee at Colorado. It's a par five. It's probably the most scorable hole at the golf course and you start off on it. So wow. you know, you're, it's, it's like 640, but it's downhill. And it's easy to get there in two as long as you hit it in play. Claire, the Colorado golf versus Cherry. Cherry, you're not going to lose a golf ball in theory, but the rough is so gnarly. And you'll see it over the weekend if you watch any of the coverage. Colorado golf, the fairways are extremely friendly, but if you miss it, they had the fescue up and really, really thick. It was hard to even find a golf ball, even with spotters around, right? So the demand was on accuracy and making sure you find fairways. So I, I hit it. I hit a good somehow like blacked out, hit a good tee shot on one and make par almost, almost hold that for wet, almost hold my wedge for Eagle. I had about a 30 yard pitch shot and it just rolled over the left edge and I hit a good putt. Didn't go in, make par on two third hole is uh Tron from no lane ups. Like I hate the third hole at Colorado golf. He's like, I love all the holes, but I hate three. And he like texted me during the pressure. I'm like, what do you think about number three? Um, I'd hit a three iron, like a driving iron. I have like the ping crossover. I hit that in the practice round and it was fine, but it wasn't necessary. Okay. Like I didn't mm -hmm. need to, you don't necessarily, <clears throat> excuse me. You don't necessarily need to push it down the fairway. You just need to kind of hug the left side. And I pulled the three iron and I was even par, you know, I made a couple pars. I pulled the three iron. I'm over the ball. And I was thinking it's probably a four. And then I tug that, you know, totally committed. I tug it a little right. I get up there. It's a yard off the fairway in the fescue. And I made double. Like I, you know, it was just, that was a mental mistake. Like you just can't yeah. do that. Um, that was not great. I mean, that was again, kind of going back to just, you know, when these kids play at a hundred rounds of tournament golf a year, their level of commitment is going to be higher than mine. So that was yeah. one that sticks out. Uh, a positive was 
the par five sixth hole, or sorry, par five seventh hole. I had an awesome eight iron uh, into the green to like 25 feet for Eagle and two putted for birdie. But that was like a jump start, get the round going. Very, very excited yep. about that. Um, what were the snacks? What were you eating? What were you cooling uh, with? Oh man, so many snacks, Claire. Like they got, they have so many um, like different levels of bars. They've got a lot of fruit Ooh. on multiple holes, mm-hmm. a lot of canned Gatorade, which I'm a big fan of. Shout out Zach Blair and the tree farm. Love me some canned Gatorade. They had them in almost every cooler. Um, Uncrustables, both strawberry and grape, and both uh, white and wheat, which I'm a big fan Ooh. of. Like, I, I try to go with the wheat, you know, a little healthier, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, they had them in the coolers. So I, I'm i like, a, I do the dried mangoes almost always in the golf bag during tournaments. I don't know if you do that or not. Get those at Whole Foods. Super bomb. <laughs> I do trail mix as well. I was having some bananas. I was definitely having um, uh, some Uncrustables. So I would say that was kind of the main focus of the snacks. And mm-hmm. uh Try not to have too many Gatorades, but yeah, I would say the highlight was, was that, you know, I, 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 I made a great birdie there. I made a long putt on 15 for birdie when I kind of needed something positive and then birdie in 18, like the first round was, was epic. I made like a 25 footer across the green, just kind of closing the day out with, with the positive when obviously the first round didn't go the way I wanted. And then uh second round, second day highlights at Cherry Hills. I birdied 14, which is, you know, one of the hardest holes I've ever played in my life. It's like, 530 par four. That was fun. And then I might've hit the best shot I've ever hit in my life in a tournament on three, I uh, three at this point, I'm like on the back nine. It's late in the day. I'm tired. I'm not playing very well. It's like 330 par four. I hit driver right at the green, like a great drive. It lands in the middle of the green. It takes about a 30 foot hop straight up in the air. We could see it from the tee. And the guys were like, holy shit. Like that thing. <laughs> Like that thing took a hop and long's not bad. Like long, you have 20, 30 yards of runoff and we get up there and like the marshals kind of smiling, like has kind of one of those sly smiles. And I'm like, he's excited to deliver the news, more, more bad news. Like he's like more like, uh, so, um, they were like, the groups were letting us play up if we were going to go for it. So they were finishing up. Uh, both the other guys were off both sides of the ferry. One of the kids laid up, one of the kids went forward and he was fine. And uh, there's like, yeah, you went over the green, over the runoff into the penalty area long, but we have it, we think. And I was like, geez, you know, like I had a good shot. We get up there. It's in the fescue. Long is absolutely dead at number on number three at Cherry Hills. Like at, like green runs away from you. You're totally screwed. I have to wait for the guys to tee off on four. So I'm sitting there for 20 minutes. Like I don't even get to look at my lie. You know, like I, yeah. I don't even know what it looks like. Finally, I go down there. It's an okay lie in the fescue. And I just was like, you know, I mean, at this point, I'm like, screw it. I mean, whatever. I'm going to obviously take on every shot. And I hit this full swing Phil Mickelson flop shot. It lands on the back of the green, stays on the green to about 30 feet. And I made it for birdie. Oh, this is on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I had, I posted the video on Twitter. This Who's guy, recording it? I don't know. Some random, random dude. But my Dan, Dan, being a good caddy, walked up to him after I made the birdie. And he goes, I'm going to need you to send me that video. Like, I need, we're going to need to see that video. And uh, it was funny. I did that, Claire, at Pebble. Years ago, I was walking to our booth. This was the U.S. Amateur that Victor won. I was walking to our booth uh, for some rehearsal stuff, and our, we would literally walk down 18 Fairway, and our booth was right there at 18 at Pebble. This kid was under the tree like Tiger in 2010 when he, you know, when he was tanimal and he hit the cut and he yeah. walked after it on Saturday. This kid was under there, and he's kind of – I could see he was, like, debating laying up or not. And so I'm walking. I'm like, I got, I got a video of this if he goes for it. So he's pulls through it. I'm like, sick. 
I take my phone out. He hits the tiger shot, like the full cut, and he's posing, he's walking after it, lands <laughs> on the front of the green, and I'm like, all right. I like, and I was like, I got to go back. So instead of going to the booth, I walk back to the green, kid two putts, makes birdie, walks off the green. I'm like, I videoed that shot. I got to send it to you. He's like, oh, yeah, please do. He's all fired <laughs> up, you know, that, that somebody got it. So same situation, fast forward a few years, uh, made the birdie there, which was fun. And nice. I, as we're walking off, the, our scorer was a Cherry Hills member. And we're walking to the tee on four, and he was like, man, great birdie. I was like, thanks. He goes, I've seen about 10 members of my day there. I've never seen anybody come close to hitting it on the green. And I was like, oh, there you oh go. Oh, my so, gosh. You're like, yeah, it is what it is. That was, that was it. I would say those were kind of the highlight moments of my week. Okay, so who did you, like, amateur golf is a lot of great players right now. Is there anybody you met that kind of stuck out to you? The guys you played with or just on the range? I reached out to to Stu Hagestad when I qualified. Um, I've known Stu for a long time. You know, I mean, casually known him for a long time, just covering the amateur stuff and the Opens and the Masters. And I said, hey, if we're on the same side of the draw, I'd love to play a practice round with you. And he was like, absolutely. So the tee times came out and we were on the same side of the draw. So played a practice round with him at uh, at Colorado Golf. Funny moment, Claire. We're on uh, four. Yep, the fourth hole long par four. And, you know, I'm just kind of, I was part of it was just to get a chance to hang out with Stu for a few hours, but I was also kind of observing how he went about his practice rounds. And, you know, I mean, obviously he's, I think he's played in 14 us amateurs, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. How old and is he? 30, 31, I believe. So, okay. I mean, you know, like, I mean, half his life, he's playing US yeah, amateurs. Yeah, right. it's pretty crazy, <laughs> but, um, he, I was in, I hit a, I threw a couple balls in the back bunker. Okay. And the green kind of slips away from you and they were hard shots. I was just trying to hit some bunker shots to get a feel for the sand. And he walks up to me, not, not like being a jerk or anything. He goes, why are you practicing this shot? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you hit it here, you're, you're totally screwed anyway. Like this isn't benefiting you at all. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Like I just wanted to hit a couple bunker shots, but it was, I think it was his way of saying, if you're going to practice golf shots during a practice round, practice shots that you might actually have in the golf tournament. And mm -hmm. um, so I found that pretty fascinating uh, watching kind of the process he went about was really cool. And then, and who knows where he ends up now, but he's still playing is Ben James. I, I I've known of Ben James for a long time, just being in the Connecticut area and watching mm -hmm. him play a couple of high school events. When I like watching his results when he was in high school, then obviously seeing how well he played at Virginia. Uh, I went up to him one morning and just introduced myself and was like, Hey man, like you're crushing it, you know, whatever. So, you know, I mean, just kind of giving a little love to some of the great amateurs out there. And, uh, and then, yeah, Claire, I was blown away by these kids. They're, like, so nice and normal and, <laughs> and like, mature and, like, know how to tie. It was wild. I, I was expecting, you know, we always hate on the next generation, right? I was expecting these kids to be, like, on their phones and not giving a shit about anything that's going on around them. And it was yeah. the total opposite. Like, blown away by their maturity and just their level of professionalism. It was very cool. Yeah, I think that's so fun. I was at the Mizuho America's Open and they had the junior golfers like also kind of in the field. And I was expecting same thing, like, or not even that, just like so dialed in that maybe they didn't, they're all like best friends. And I thought it was so fun to watch. And they are like taking B-reels and doing just fun stuff that I was totally shocked by it. And they're, you know, young kids. And I don't know if it's because they've been traveling for so long. They can talk to anyone. 
Yes. Yes. I, I was expect I was expecting to run into the opposite. I was expecting to yeah. run into these kids that are slightly socially awkward because everybody talks about how ruined the next generation is because of cell phones and social media and things like that. And I'm with you a total opposite experience for me. So all, I mean, literally every kid was great. I mean, we finished both the kids I played with, you know, both days you play with the same guys, uh, Will and Cole, like we finished up, they both had a chance to make match play and they just missed by a couple shots each. And, you know, we finished up and, just you know we we're shaking hands they're like this was like so much fun man like Aww. i wish we'd have played better but these are one of the more fun tournament days we've had um you know kind of getting a chance to play and didn't have to say that a couple of their moms came up and like hugging me and was like they had so much fun you know and i was Aww. like I had, I had so much fun you know like you do feel i mean you know you're an elder i mean you're 39 years old they're 21 and 22 like right. you are you're in a completely different space than they are right in a completely different world but yeah, it was, I was, I was impressed. I was, I, I loved getting a chance to kind of get to know them. I think Will and I might play golf next week in Atlanta. Like, you know, I mean, it's Amazing. like, you're, you're like buddies with them now, you know, you like yeah. kind of feel cool. Like you're, you're in cool with the college kids. I always think that's so interesting too. I have always volunteered at the Northeast Dam and a lot of the guys, if you're not college teammates, you go in and you've never met this person. And then maybe you stay at the same house or you're you know, in this play together. And then suddenly it's, all right, where are you staying next week? We'll have to get dinner. And you just kind of, your social circle grows a little, if you want it to every single week that you're out there, because, you know, as an individual sport, you actually do like meet a ton of people. Yeah. I, I my, my phone, it was like, it was like early 20 dating. Like I got like 12 new numbers, you know? I mean, it was, I was like very impressed. Like I got some of the players I played with, some of their caddies, um, a couple of the kids uh, that I met were interested in getting in the media. And I'm like, you know, shoot me an email. We can chat about it. Hit me up. Um, one, of the, one of the guys, one of the guys I, I played with him and his buddies have a podcast and they're like, will you come on the podcast? I was like, absolutely. Let's get it dialed. So yeah, I mean, uh, I just, it was, I, I played poorly. I was disappointed in the way I played you know, really just more in kind of the commitment stuff, like more than mm -hmm. just my golf swings and the way I putted and things like that. It was more just my mistakes were commitment based. Well, I mean, I made some just kind of loose, you know, atypical bogeys that you're going to make a championship golf, but the big numbers were a lot of just commitment based errors that I think if I had played in another one, or if I play in another USGA event or another big amateur event, it will, I will have been helped by this experience, but the overall experience of this was cooler than I thought it would be. I'll say that. I, I was hyped about it. I was excited about it. But I think the overall experience of just kind of getting to meet some of these kids, getting to play golf in that atmosphere, in that arena, having like fans come out and watch is yeah. such a wild thing. You know, like walking by some guy and he's like, bear down. And you're like, yeah, man, you know, and like, are they like in the fairway with you? you know, okay, I know so this is, this is pretty <laughs> fun. I mean, let me give you, so, all right. So I had, I had a lot of family that came out and it was, okay. you know, I wrote this, I, I posted this on Instagram, my mom and dad, I mean, they're in their seventies. They walked all 36 holes. You know, oh those are not the easiest walks in the world. I mean, flying out from Texas, taking time out of their lives to come out there and watch this. Very cool. My uncle Bennett um, came out, uh, my uncle Bennett, who lost his, his wife a couple of years ago, hadn't been on a vacation in seven years and came out and watched all 36 holes he had some videos of my putting i missed a couple short putts the first one he goes do you want to look at these and like see if there was anything <laughs> wrong with your putting i'm like i'm good thank you bennett um but i mean he's just like the most lovely human on the on the planet and i mean my sister who lives in, in denver came out and watched for a bit my nephew flew out my uncle dougie 
um, who went through some some serious health issues early in the year. He flew up to Colorado, and I mean, you know, this isn't a guy that can really take down 18 holes in terms of walking right now with where he's at health-wise, and he walked nine holes. But you asked about the fairways. Um, I'm <laughs> We're walking down 14 uh, at Cherry Hills on on Tuesday, and I bombed the drive down the left side of the fairway. I was in a really good spot. And it's me and Dan, and I look to my right. I think it's a Marshall. Nope, it was Uncle Dougie. He was like 10 yards <laughs> away from us, dead center of the fairway. He's like looking at yardage markers, you know, and I'm like, we got it, Dougie. We got, we got the, we got the gun, you know, and then we get to 18 T and again, like Doug went through some health stuff early in the year. And I knew walking 18 was probably out of the question, but I mean, this goes back to family love the fact that he's even out there. And there was like a marshal that sits on 18 T and he had a chair and we're walking up to 18 T and one of the caddies we're with, he goes, Hey, do you know this guy? And I look over and Doug's sitting in the Marshall's chair, <laughs> you know, like two feet away from the tees. And I was like, yeah, that's my uncle. And he's like, okay, cool. I just didn't know. You know, it's like, you can walk pretty close. Like you so can close. get pretty intimate at an amateur. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, like they get, you know, fans and, and people can get pretty close, but the support from random people that listen to the podcast or have followed whatever broadcasting, writing, things like that. Like I had a, I had an old buddy of mine from Phoenix country club that came out uh, shout out to Dietz. My buddy Bill from Phoenix came out. I mean, like, you know, I mean, they don't have to do this stuff, you know, like yeah. people don't have to do these things. And when you're, when you're kind of falling in that place of getting frustrated, when you're having to remind yourself, like, this isn't a world to get frustrated. Like you're not as good as these kids, like your game's maybe not good enough to get frustrated. And you look around and realize that people bought airplane tickets and flew up to watch just you go through this. Um, it was a good reminder a lot of the time to like, just enjoy the walk and, you know, try to grind out whatever the next hole is. Yeah. Well, that was kind of going to be my closing one. Like in 15 years, what will you remember? And also what did you learn from the experience? I think, um, one thing I learned was I need a go-to shot off the tee. And so I, you, Claire, I don't know if you go through this, like if, if there's a disappointment in your life, let's say, and you kind of evaluate it and like the first my first like immediate reaction is, do I want to do this again? You know, like, do I, do yeah. I want to go through this again? Like I, like there's, you know, there's people on Twitter that are giving you shit and Instagram messages, you know I mean? For all the nice stuff, there's obviously going to be people that hate on you. Right. I mean, that's part yeah. of, of being out there in the arena. I'm like, you know, I didn't play well and it was a struggle and I was grinding and da, 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 da. And then you go through that like the first day. And then I got home on Wednesday and I'm like, okay, what do I need to work on? What do I need to get better at? Like, how can I improve on this? So I would say first and foremost, I need to work on a go-to shot off the tee. Cause I noticed a lot of the kids had that when they would, mm -hmm. it'd be tight or, you know, the, we knew like the second hole at, at cherry where the roughs really brutal, like these kids had go-to tee shots. And I feel like I kind of float in this world of I can hit three iron cut or I can hit three wood or whatever. Right. So I'd say that's number one. And I think number two is just, getting the first one under your belt so where the nerves aren't as high because I felt way more comfortable day two than I've felt day one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you learn a lot, you learn about a lot about your golf game, but I would say the takeaway was just how damn hard championship golf is and how nasty that rough is. And like the respect I have for these kids that can go out there and shoot 65 and 66 in these conditions. I mean, it is like, it is so impressive to be able to do that. You, we talk about yeah. amateur professionals. Like these guys are professional golfers. Like they are, I mean, they could go out on the PGA tour tomorrow. Like 
these players that make the quarters in the round of 16, you could put them on the Corn Ferry and PJ Tour tomorrow, and they're going to be successful. I mean, they're not going to shoot 75 and miss cuts. Yeah, that was when my brother caddied, the guy he caddied for played at Notre Dame, and he's the short kid, and we had kind of said, like, all right, he's good at Notre Dame, he's good at New England, what does that mean, right? right. And it wasn't really until he was – deep into match play that it was, oh, he's actually a really good player. Yeah, and now yeah, he's yeah. on the court fairy tour and doing totally fine. But it is like, you know, there's these levels where it's, you know, tournament golf, but then like really good tournament golf or people who play in their member guests and they're saying I shot 82. And it's like, well, if you went and shot there, you wouldn't probably have broken 95. It's these levels of really good golf. It Once you're at a certain level, it's not that big of a jump, I feel like. Maybe yeah, is, I, don't I don't know. I I I agree with you, and I think you know. I think what's so cool about weeks like the U.S. Amateur, and I mean one of my one of the reasons I call it my favorite event of the year, both when I was covering it and obviously getting a chance to play in it, was these kids that aren't Ben James and Stuart Hagestad and Carl Phillips and like the named players that you know about yeah. when you see them on the range and you know they're going to be the next big thing. But it's the the players like you're talking about. You know, your buddy from Notre Dame, and I remember. I was I, I did, you know, that interview with Curtis Luck last year, and there were players that like Brad Dalkey. I remember making it to the championship match. And you so know, good. I think Nick, I think Nick the kid's name was Nick Carlson or something from Michigan. And you see dreams realized, but you also see potential realized, which I think is so important. And like every single year at US junior amateurs and US amateurs and four balls and girls juniors and things like that, players are realizing how good they actually are because you're just competing in your circle, right, Claire? Like, if you're not in college yet, or if you are in college, maybe you're competing in your conference and you're a good conference player. But to get to this stage and actually prove it to yourself and beat big names and keep making it through <clears throat> to the next round, it's it's a pretty cool thing to see happen to people. And, uh, and you know, only one person wins. But I feel like these events, more than anything, allow a lot of people to walk away feeling like winners, you know? Totally. And isn't it, you know, if you're in – round of eight you get invited to the next year or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. I like think quarter, i think quarters get you into the amateur next year yep so it kind of just builds on itself if even if you don't win there's still a lot of good stuff yeah it's I, it was crazy I, again I, i'll say this colorado golf we played on saturday and then you played on monday we're like on the fourth holes like what happened to these greens like we were like pit like, you couldn't fix ball marks on these greens like <laughs> it completely changed it you hear players say that about augusta you know masters week where they go I mean, I, I've talked to players where they say it's not even really worth going out and playing practice rounds like weeks ahead. They obviously want to go play Augusta National and go up there with right. their caddies or their friends or their dad or whoever. But it's so different when you get to Thursday. And I felt like that on on Monday where I was I was walking around this golf course going, it's the same layout, but a uh, <laughs> little, little different conditioned. And then Cherry, I mean, they, you know, they host the U.S. Open there tomorrow. It would be you know, four under might win that U S open. Like that's how much it felt like I was walking around one of the U S opens I was covering, you know, do you see Bryson went out? I, Hey, let me, I, I gotta, I want to throw something at you with Bryson. Oh, I think Bryson, I, I kind of might be in on Bryson again. So in on Bryson. Are you, are you back in too? Did you ever get out? So I don't, I just find him to be very interesting. Yes. Like, I don't think he, you could ever figure Bryson out. And that's what I think golf needs. So even when I see stuff that I'm like, why did he like, sometimes there were shirtless mirror picks, like with the Brooks, like 
And um, I'd be like, that's weird. But then he does stuff like this. And I'm like, that's awesome. And my only takeaway is that he is very interesting and golf needs interesting. So I like him. Were you ever out on him? Is my question. Did you did you ever were you ever do you ever have a moment where you felt like you weren't in on Bryson? Because because I feel like the younger generation has always loved him. That's why I'm asking. I think I'm definitely not part of that, like it's almost I don't want to say he's like the Ricky, but he kind of is in a way, like this like just character to obsess over. I think there have been moments where he does things and I and I try and be like, well, that's the human condition. Everyone's like nothing. Right, you right, know? right, right. But there have been moments where I'm like, I don't like that why did he what was that you know when <laughs> I always go back to the rope incident and he's yelling at someone but also <laughs> people have bad moments and that is what it is and I have found and he's not as I don't want to say polarizing but same thing with Billy Horschel I find now like the more I learn about Billy Horschel I find myself liking him a little bit more every time he's in the press center revealing like his thoughts and stuff, but same with Bryson. And I saw yesterday his whole neighborhood. Did you see they like put up 58 signs for when he returned oh, home? Oh, no way. Yeah, and I just thought that was cool. And I liked that he thought it was awesome because I think, you know, if you reach a level of success, you might not care. But he was like, this is so fun that they did this. So in on Bryson right now. And I think it's so awesome when players go and support other golf tournaments. Yeah, other golf tournaments, other golfers, other athletes. It's weird. I, I kind of have yeah. a Bryson comp where – and, and it, I mean, obviously not to this level, but Bryson to me kind of feels like LeBron light where LeBron does Ooh. a lot of stuff that makes me kind of not, you know, kind of roll your eyes and you're kind of like really LeBron, like silly stuff. Right. But it's harmless stuff. You know, it's like yes. silly social media stuff or it's, you know, the whole the whole meme thing online about you know, always saying that I, I, oh, I, I, I knew he was going to be great 12 years ago. Like I could see Bryson saying that about some like young up and comer, like Wyndham Clark. I could totally have seen Bryson on Monday after the U S open going, oh yeah, I called this U S open win two years. Ago. You know, like that feels like a Bryson thing, but at his core, Bryson is a golf nerd. I'm yes. a golf nerd. And to see Bryson on the first tee trying to drive the green with persimmon for no other reason than just by trying to do it was love awesome. of the game it's yeah. a, it's so awesome and like the the video with phil like phil's phil you know and like yeah i think phil's q rating is going to continually go down and down as this <laughs> thing you know drops in like three days right you have it? I, yeah. I have it on pre-order <laughs> yeah i mean I, like it's when when phil's not going to be in a great spot if he's not already but yeah. that video with bryson and phil like you walk away from that rooting for bryson like yeah, you you do totally. like He's, you know, I mean, like not knowing what game they're going to play and kind of getting shit for it. And I watched the whole video. Like, I never watch that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not watching yeah. Bryson's YouTube page. And then to see him at Cherry, I just want to say this is a good time to buy Bryson stock right now. Like, this is the time. It's it's probably not at its lowest. You know, it's probably started to come back. But I think it's a good time to invest back in the Bryson world. Yeah. I also think when he's not performing like when as you said he was probably at his best when he's hanging out at cherry hills and it's i feel like it's when there's people are want this attention and he knows he's kind of on a stage that he has to make these like funny youtube videos totally, or say totally offhand stuff but i think if you get him so we went my first shoot with golf.com was to chris como's like indoor like he had like i don't know if it was where he lives but it was a house so i'm guessing and he has, you know, a bay set up and Bryson was there 
and it was just normal. We were all shooting hoops and it was very normal because it wasn't this whole production. So, and then I saw my, I was at like a shoot in January and same thing. It was like one camera, very relaxed and he was great. How was he at shooting hoops? Okay. This was not a 10 foot hoop. They're supposed to be okay. 10 feet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was definitely 12 feet because the setup of the house was, there was like a net. So it kind of had to be over it, was, it. You're saying it was higher. It was higher. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, they're not higher. Do you think I'm lying? No, it was so high because I was there. It was me, video people, Sean Zock, uh, Bryson, and Sean like plays a good amount. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think he's like, and like, not to brag, but I did play high school basketball. So I, mean, I know a hoop when I see it. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, this you thing know, was... listen, you know, 10 feet. I got it. <laughs> I know a hoop. <laughs> this thing was high. Okay. And it was, it was against the wall. It was just mounted on the wall. So it was kind of awkward. You couldn't go in for a layup without, you know, but um, it was really high. So, but then like a few, you know, 10 minutes in, they kind of started to adjust kind of how you had to adjust to elevation. If you yeah, will, yeah. he did, it was kind of like a golf swing. It wasn't your, the natural move that you would expect, but it worked. So. Okay. Okay. All right. So it might be a little funky. Might might be a little different. Yeah. yeah I remember, fat. I think he was like literally shooting from the hip if I had to recall. Like, and you know what? There's probably a reason. I guarantee you that he's thought it out and he went, oh, you know, you got to shoot from the hip for X, Y, and Z. I mean, he's probably, yeah. uh, he's considered that. By the way, what else is happening? This is such an interesting time in the golf world because. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Playoffs are going on, but like they're the playoffs. I mean, you know, I mean, listen, I'm not here to bash the FedEx Cup playoffs, but. I do find myself last week and this week kind of waiting for the playoff coverage to end so I can watch the amateur. Same thing last week. I was mm -hmm. like, get us to the women's AM. Like, I want to see Bel Air and I want to see these players. Um, what What is happening in your golf space right now uh, as it's kind of winding down and we have that lull before Ryder Cup? Well, I'm kind of bummed, Shane, because so I – and you travel a bunch. I also was traveling a bunch. So after the 4th of July – I was like, I'm taking a break. I've spent the summer in Rhode Island at my parents' house. It's been lovely. But now I'm ready to get back on the okay. road. You're and, itching. And now there's about to be nothing going on for months besides <laughs> the Ryder Cup. So I'm like, shoot, I should have timed this better. But um, major season, over. Right. We have, you know, the FedEx Cup, which I really like the behind the scenes, like what they're catching on. Did you see that woman who, she's some grandmother and she's, has fallen in love with golf. Like she fell in love with golf during the pandemic and they have her out there this week. And then Tommy no, Fleetwood was this. taking photos. Like I love stories like that. I, okay. I took a screenshot of it. It's awesome. She's out okay. at her first. I was like, that's going to be me in 50 years. So I can relate. That's perfect. So I, I still think the, even if like the excitement maybe isn't there for a lot of people, the way that it might be in for majors and maybe the middle of the season for me, I still love those stories. So I'm, I still have that, but I don't like knowing that I'm about to have like a few idle months besides I'm getting, we're looking forward to the Ryder cup for sure. Are you going? Okay. A few things to know about me uh -oh. before uh -oh. I answer this question. Oh, I think I know what you're about to say. I <laughs> think I know what you're about to say. I think you told me this. This is so embarrassing. Go ahead, Claire. What? Why are you, hold on, hold on real quick. Let me, let me, let me tee you up. Why are you not going to the Ryder cup, Claire Rogers? Well, actually it's why I didn't go to the open. I didn't okay. have a passport. There you go. Um, and it was actually bad because I was talking to Bones at the U.S. Open on the range, and he Name asked drop. the same question. And I, yeah, sorry, we're pals. And I told him, 
and I had never met Michael Greller before this moment. And he turns and goes, you don't have a passport. <laughs> have you and ever I, had a that, passport? Like, is this like, I mean, what, yes. how old are you? I don't like to dox myself on here. No, I'm 28. Okay. You're, okay. You're I'm 28. Tell you have you have, ne you've never had a passport 28 years of your life? I have had a passport. Okay. I have had a passport. I'll, let me take you through. Okay. Let's go. So my mom's one of 10. We did a huge family trip to Ireland when I was like seven, went for two weeks. That was great to think I could have been back if I had one, but okay. Then in seventh grade, I went to Quebec on a class trip. Okay. Which have you been to Quebec city? No, but I mean, I, I, I gotta say, gotta I be one of the rocked. coolest words to write ever. Quebec. Quebec. I love, I love writing it out. Oh yeah. I don't know if it was cause I was like 13 or if like it actually was awesome, but it, apparently it's like one of the safest cities in the world. So we were like, you know, you get to walk around with your friends, no yeah, teacher. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. Then I, Shane was afraid of airplanes for 10 years, wouldn't get on one. And then I got master's tickets my senior year of college. So I was like, okay, I have to get over this. And I got on an airplane, but, um, so I, I never traveled my, this is like a perk of parents being divorced. If people are going away with my dad, I'd say, I don't want to leave mom home alone. I'll stay with her, vice versa. Uh -huh. So like my siblings would, they went to like Italy and all this stuff. And I would be like, you guys go, I'll man the house at home. We'll be good. And then I got over that obviously, because I travel all the time now. Um, and it's become like a bit like, oh, I'm now a great, well, not great at logistics, but I'm good at getting on the plane and being yeah, fine. Yeah. But, um, can I ask you something real quick, Claire? How did you get over the yeah. fear? How did you get over the flight fear stuff? Um, the first few times it was with, um, some medicine that, you okay. know, you get prescribed and it is physically impossible for you to panic. Now I do it and I'm totally fine. Okay. What, what if it's like super bumpy or what, what if like you're on a flight that, is like really turbulent or something like that. I have actually been really lucky and haven't had that. I don't like, I don't think I've had that or, but I put these on, I put these big headphones on. Yep. I have a hat, I have a hood and I'm like, what happens out here is none of my business. I trust. Oh, you're like in your own world. I love that. I'm like Zen on a plane now. And people will be, you know, I, I wouldn't get on a plane for like 10 years, but there'll be someone next to me panicking. And I'm like, okay, like, can you get it together? You're making a scene. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, my second question for you. We haven't talked about yes. this on the podcast. Can we talk about your dad's master tickets thing? Yes. But first, I have okay. a passport Sorry. appointment on Monday. Okay. So can you go to Rome or you're not going to get it in time? I'm going to get it in time. It's the two week thing. We're cheating the system a little bit. I hope no one from like the passport agency is listening to this. Um, and then. But my cousin is marrying my best friend in the world on Saturday of the Ryder Cup in Rhode Island. So at work, it's like, okay, am I going to go for four days or not? We don't know yet. So stay tuned. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, this is, I love, I love your job so much because A, you're very good at it and B, you're young and you're like, Hey, listen, I'm not going to, was it the PGA championship when you're like, I'm going to leave early because yeah. we have Taylor Swift tickets. It's like, I'm not, I'm going to leave the Ryder cup early. I got a wedding. It's just so great that you like, and it's like, you throw it out there and they're like, that's fine. It's cool. Yeah, it is what it is. And also like, I'm in the wedding. I, if there's any wedding I can't miss, it's this one. If it was like random people, I would have no problem, but yes. Okay. Over to what was the next question? Your, oh, your my dad. dad. Because this went kind of viral so on, online. It did. It did. And some people were like, what a horrible father. <laughs> Real quick, tell people that that, dad, that didn't see this on Twitter. So, okay. you, your dad, your dad won master's tickets in the lottery, right? Yes. Okay. So this is his 10th was his 10th year applying. He just, uh, it's the same thing. Everyone does it. It's a routine, like yep. getting your physical, you just throw your name in, nothing's going to happen. So for the last 10 years, I guess he's done, you know, 
two tickets, three tickets. Four, I think you can request up to four. Okay. So he, he requested, usually he was like, I'm going to max out request every day. They'll see what I can get. Never, not even, didn't even snip them. So this year he didn't tell any of us this, but I guess he only, um, he was like, maybe I'll have a better chance if I just request one ticket because he thought they would feel bad for him and let him in. So it comes out, we have a, this group chat, my sister's in Phoenix, I'm here, he's somewhere else. And so he sends to our family sibling group chat that he won tickets and we're all like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And both my brothers have been, because before my grandfather passed away a handful of years ago, he like was a season ticket holder. So he would give them to a grandchild every year. So they've both been. My sister, who's kind of into golf, so that's another story, has never been. So she love kind takes. of, we love her takes, but she wants to go. She thinks she'd get a good Instagram photo. She thinks she would be, totally. get a good drink. She thinks she would good fit merch. in well at Augusta. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. So we're all kind of going back and forth. And I kind of, I've hopefully will be there for work, but I was there for work this year. So I'm like, I'm taking myself out of this. I don't need to go with him. So we're all kind of talking about why we should, they should each go. And I'm like, you know what? Let's make this a little more fun. We'll have a competition. You, everyone can make a video. You can, can write an essay. Let me know why you want to go. My dad stops answering the group chat. This is like 4 PM on like a Tuesday. And we're like, what is going Radio on? Radio silence. Radio silence. So then the next morning I'm with my little brother and I'm like, this is so weird. And he's, he goes, oh, he didn't tell you. And I'm like, what? He goes, he only requested one ticket. And I was like, what? So then finally he says it in the group chat. He's like, guys, I only, and so he was like, I don't have to choose who comes with me. I'm just going to go and enjoy it by myself. And I was thinking, I love walking around golf tournaments by myself as much as I love meeting up with friends and stuff. I probably spend 90% of the time I'm at events by myself right. and it's the best when you're trying to meet up with someone they're not gonna have phones it's you end up missing so much and you spend like 45 minutes because you're both moving targets he's just gonna have the best day and i think that's the best place to go by yourself if you need it so he is totally agree with you i i mean this yeah. is gonna be an it's gonna be an epic alone day like you can't because oh, yeah. again like when you're alone What's the easiest thing to do? It's to get lost in your phone. It's to sit down and all of a sudden you're, you're checking social because you kind of feel a little bit awkward because you're by yourself. You can't yeah. obviously do that there. So you'll go sit. And the other thing that I, if you have never been to the Masters, the other thing that is so wild is because there's no phone there, we are brought back to a time where people actually talk to each other. So you'll oh, yeah. sit down next to two strangers and they'll start talking to you and you'll start talking yeah. to them, which again, does not happen if you go to a, PJ championship and everybody's on their phone. Right. So he is so excited for a solo day at Augusta national. Well, I mean, you're going to, but I'm like, there. you're going to run into people. I'm going to run. Yeah. When I was there, I ran into so many people that I knew because the golf world is so much smaller than you think. And yeah, you find out people who are going to be there ahead of time, but he's excited. It's going to be very interesting, but he saw the comments and some of them were like, Oh, he's a horrible father. <laughs> he was like, what? But some of them were also like, this guy's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a takeaway. And he was like, Claire, we've gone viral. This is very exciting. People are calling me a legend. I was like, Oh my God. So he's, he's pumped. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 lo I loved it so much. I just feel like it's one of those where you're like, you guys take the keys and figure it out yourselves. I'm not dealing with this. Like I don't want to have to pick my yeah. favorite kid. And um, I will exactly. also say it, it probably helps the situation when one of your daughters is going to be there in, in, in a media, in a media presence and can walk around with you and doesn't have to take your ticket, totally. uh, which will be fun.
it makes me think maybe he did that all along because he knew yeah, yeah. I'd be there and he was like, I'll get to spend the day with Claire anyways. So that's what I'm going to tell myself. But what, yeah, it what was very would, funny. Speaking of, of reasons you might have to leave a golf tournament early, what would have to happen schedule wise for you in a positive way for you to leave master's week early? Like what, what situation would have to pop up in your life where you'd go, I got to leave on Friday. I got X, Y, and Z going on. I wouldn't do it for a Taylor Swift concert. I did it at the PGA. I think I would only do that at the PGA for majors. Okay. But what if it was like a um, private Taylor concert? Like what if it was like a buddy that had her like come perform for like 50 friends? Would you leave the masters? Like you could yell out requests. Where songs. is she performing? If it's in like Atlanta and I can go back. No, no, you're like, done. You're return. out. You're out. You, you've no, got to go. I, don't, I wouldn't. You've got to go to Seattle. You've got to go to Portland. You got to use your passport. Like you have to peace. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do okay. it. Okay. So, so because, I mean, is there a positive? Is there a positive situation that would force you out of Augusta early? If my sister were getting married, but she wouldn't get married during that week, anyways, I don't think. Yeah. But I guess if any of my siblings were getting married, I would do it. <laughs> I think your brother's probably definitely like, my hell, sister. He's <laughs> like, bro. But it is. I'm also good at like because this kind of has happened a lot. I used to get. I remember. It was my dad's 40th birthday and Miley Cyrus was performing in Providence like literally 16 years ago. And I was so mad because I had to go to this birthday dinner and I really wanted to be at the Miley Cyrus Hannah Montana concert. And I remember like I had a razor phone and my friends are texting me and my parents sat me down and were like, you ruined the night because you were not present. And ever since then, I've been like, I'm supposed to be, I am where I'm supposed to be. Because it's not good to like wish you were somewhere else or like be focused somewhere else. So I've gotten, I like, I missed a wedding for the US Open and I was bummed beforehand. But once you're at the US Open, you're not even thinking about it, you know? Yeah. I'm, so that was a good lesson learned. There you go. I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah, like you said, li live and learn and grow. And uh, uh, before we go, <laughs> uh, before we go, can you give me your three favorite concerts you've ever been to? Is that, or is that too much pressure? Yes. No, that's great. My first one was Jonas Brothers, but. I wouldn't say that was my favorite. They were great. Um, was T Swift in the top three? Was this recent show? I've heard very positive. Oh, it might things. be all. It might be all three. Oh, uh, wow, yeah, okay. that was the best one for the sure. The, the latest one. Yeah. Okay. The only bummer was it did pour. Like it was still great, but I think I would have liked it even more if it wasn't downpouring. But that was the best, and my entire family was there. My little sister, who's eleven, it was her first concert. Shane, oh, she man. was sobbing. Really? She had to sit down. She had to sit. You know, everyone stands. Right, Gillette. She's like, this is the best moment of my entire life. <laughs> and like, she was like getting so worked out. They were like, oh my God, sit down for a minute. You got to catch your breath here. And that was just like really cool to see. And it was fun. Like five kids and two parents. It was really fun. Uh, that was the best. I went to Bruce Springsteen in college. And that was really cool. He was, what is he like 72 now mm -hmm. or something? So he was like 66 probably. Still jamming. Yeah, and people would like hold up signs and he would do the song. Oh, wow. It was like off of a set. He would like go off the set list a little That's bit, cool. which I thought was cool. Um, That was fun. I went with my mom and two of her sisters. And I'm trying to think what my other one would be. I really want to go to Luke Combs, but I guess my third me would just too. be across Me too. Sign the me up. Yeah. Oh, are you a Luke Combs guy? Oh, goodness gracious. I think he's just, his voice is just lovely. Just lovely. Yeah, he's so good. He seems like a beautiful person too. Yeah. Oh, he seems so cool. Like bringing kids up on stage oh. all the time. Yeah. I think the tide for third would be the other Taylor Swift concerts. I'm not a huge concert 
person. I don't just like go to, I would like to be, but I just don't have, I've never been to one at Fenway Park, which I think would be really fun to go to. So I, I here's my, one of my, I, I like live music. I love, I mean, I think a yeah. lot of people like live music. My problem is, is that I don't really fit in the two buckets of live music because I'm not going to sing and I'm not going to dance. So I, like, I, I mean, I'm like, I might, I might sing quietly to myself, but like, I'm not projecting singing, you know? <laughs> and so like, I want to be in a place where I can sit and enjoy the concert. And that's a really hard thing to find, right? Because you can't be on in the floor space. You're going to be standing up the whole time. And even in yeah. stands, so you almost either need to be in a box, which, you know, I'm not to the box level in my life. Or, or you have to be like way up in the in the stands with the old people, yeah. you know? But I, I would prefer to observe. Sitting is great. I So when I go to like a Villanova basketball game, I just want to sit. Yes. And everyone's standing and I can't sit. see anything. Yeah. Same with the Patriots. I'm like, I am only here for the food. So let me sit. But yeah, no, I actually really agree with that take. And even what you can kind of like the folding seats, you have it folded and you're kind of leaning you against can, it. You can sit on that like top part and make you feel taller. But there's sure. always the danger you're going to go down. So yeah. yeah. So what's your favorite concert you've been to then? Oh man, I, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. Um, my favorite concert, my first ever concert, I think was the Charlie Daniels band, which is like, yeah. so East Texas to like, call that your first concert, um, that you've ever been to. Do I have, do I have, I wait, Oh, you know what? I have, I have a favorite one. I was in, speaking of Denver, I went to Red Rocks and saw Chris Stapleton. So that was very cool. That was probably oh, the best one I've been so to. Oh, that's so good. And my, was and that? that was, we were shooting something for scratch. That was probably like five, six years ago, but um, hashtag Chad, who worked at Callaway at the time and now works for Dude Perfect, he, I think he'd hooked up Stapleton's team with golf clubs or something like that. So we actually got one of the reserved seats at Red Rocks, Ooh. which is like the first 12 rows. And that obviously helped the, the, the deal, but I would say that's probably the best one I've been to. Stapleton's yeah. obviously very fun to see live. That sounds good. I want to go to John Mayer at some point. Same. Cindy and I have talked a lot about going to John Mayer. That might be a sitting down concert if you get yeah. the right seat. You know what? Let's 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 chat offline. Let's find one and you, <laughs> slower, me, slower and, music and whomever can go can, can go jump in and, and see it. Um, Claire, where can people find you? Where can people read you? Where can people see you? Where can people you know get their their Claire feel? Golf.com. Okay. Have you what have you been writing lately? Rogers Report. Um, going to be doing a lot of video stuff going forward, okay. which is fun. Um, and then let's see, K Claire Rogers is my username across all platforms. <laughs> is it, has it been, I feel like this has kind of been the, 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 like the big year for you in terms of, you know, you were kind of the popularity was growing and it's felt like it's kind of taken a big jump for you this year. Is it strange? Is it weird to like see, you know, Rory coming up to you and telling you're funny or, you know, Hank on, on pardon my take saying, you know, Claire's a hilarious follow. Has that been strange this year to kind of see the popularity bump it's been yeah it's been cool but it's also I think and I think a lot of people are probably like this the first year and a half I worked in golf every interaction I was like oh my god that was insane and now I don't have that anymore which is kind of sad right. but I every every interaction I had I would like text my dad and be like you're never gonna believe who I just had <laughs> who just said hi to me on the range and now it's I'm like oh that was um, you know, it's just, I I don't know. It's yeah, it's been, it feels normal almost saying hi to these people. I think because the more time you spend out there, it's like obviously going to happen. It's like, if you go to school with the same people and you're on right. the same campus all day, 
Um, but it has been fun because I've gotten to meet so many. I have probably met like eight times the amount of people in the past year in golf than I did the four years before working in golf, which has just been so much fun. So last question for you. How did you convince your boss to allow you to do a series where you get to eat ice cream? Because that sounds like a pretty good sell. We were having this ideas meeting. Okay. And I just slacked him off the side. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's worthy of saying in the meeting. So I just slacked him. I was like, what if I get ice cream with people? And he's like, and I thought it was kind of dumb. And he's like, no, that's perfect. And I didn't name it. One of the girls in our marketing, Liz, she's awesome. We kind of were just running with it. She's like, we can call it the scoop. And you get the scoop with these people. Um. So yeah, it's been good. And we have a couple of those planned for early September. So keep your eye out for that. How many How many have dropped? Have there been five, four, five? Only three. Okay. And, and who has it been with so far? Jenna Sims was the first one at Augusta. And then we did um, Bones at yep. the PJ Championship. And then Rose Zang at the Mizzou Home. Nice. We did it on a ferry with Rose, like back to the city, which was fun. Can I do one at some point? Uh, you'll have to reach out to my people, but we can okay, probably, okay. You no, know, yeah, connect totally. Me, connect me with who I need to talk to and then we can. Uh, <laughs> but I have realized like the whole eating thing while you're talking, it's yeah. easy for me because they're doing most of the talking, but I've started to realize I'm like, oh, it's kind of melting. I feel bad. <laughs> it's, it's like the, it's like the movie date, like the first date to a movie. And you're like, in theory, it makes a lot of sense. You're going to a movie, you're experiencing something together. And then you realize that you don't talk for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. walked in and walked out. Uh, <laughs> Uh, by the way, we we were talking concerts. Uh, I've seen, I probably haven't, didn't go to a movie for, for four years, three, four years, probably straight. I've seen both Barbie and Oppenheimer. So I'm very proud of myself. I feel like I'm, I'm really topical right now. That's good. You're in. Did you wear pink to the Barbie movie? No, Cindy and I went uh, pretty muted colors. Uh, that okay. was the first movie we've been together in a long time. It was fine. I thought it was good. Like it was relatively entertaining. I went Oppenheimer alone on a Saturday. Um, also had it in Colorado. It was Saturday after practice round. Went and saw it at 4 p.m. alone and had a super embarrassing old person moment. Dropped my phone between the seats before the movie started. Mm. So I'm trying to do like the thing where you're searching for it, but you're trying not to make it seem like you're actually like kind of stressed about a situation. Yeah, Couldn't yeah. get it. Had to ask uh, the person next to me for their phone to get their flashlight. Flashlight. So, felt like I was a uh, hundred years old in that moment. That was, was it really crowded? cool. Yeah, packed. I was. It was the only available yeah, yeah. seat. I was. I was. Uh, <laughs> that was the last seat available. The one I took. So, um, <laughs> have you seen either? No, I'm not a big goer to the movies. Okay. I like to. I like to wait till they come out. I can pause it. I can get up. Yeah. I haven't been to the movies in a really long time either. Like probably six, seven years. Six or. Seven I saw years. Interstellar. Interstellar was 2014. I don't even even know what that is. (laughs) That's the last movie I went to. I don't even know. I mean, that's like Rory's last major was 2014. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that was the last time I went to... I went to a movie was when Rory was the reigning major champion. There you go. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, Claire, you're the best. Thank you for doing this. Uh, People follow Claire. Watch watch the scoop. Do all the stuff you need to do. And Claire, good luck with the passport. Thank you. Very excited. A big thanks to Claire, obviously, for jumping on and doing that. Big thanks to you guys for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. I'm going to be in Atlanta for some tour championship stuff. And then Corn Ferry back on television next week. So Mia Nitty's back on the uh, on the telecast late on your Thursday through Sunday uh, Golf Channel viewing. So uh, keep an eye out for that and uh, appreciate the support.